I don't want to be a fool and be thinking, you know, believe in something to make myself feel good. But it, but this, it's all, it's all too, it's too weird. It's, it's too, it's too perfectly weird. Mm, yes, it's, <laughs> yes, that's what it is. That's what it is. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I talk with fascinating, talented, and inspiring guests who reflect on the adventures and challenges of aging and who are living their lives with vibrance and purpose. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist, writer, and fellow Zestful Ager. I want to invite you to my brand new free webinar, Zestful Aging, Here's How You Do It. You can sign up at NicoleChristina.com. And as always, I appreciate your feedback. Last week, we spoke with Michael Hebb, who's a culture changer and the author of Let's Talk About Death Over Dinner. He tells us that speaking about our deaths to our loved ones may be the most important conversation you'll ever have. Next week, we'll be speaking with Gary Glazner, who's the founder of the Alzheimer's Poetry Project. And let me give you a little inside look. There is a harmonica and singing involved. Well, I have my Jack Russell Terrier Sparky right beside me and my coffee in my hand. So let's begin. I'm so excited to bring you my guest today, Judy Banker, who has dedicated over four decades to the field of eating disorders, entering the field in its early years and pioneering treatment and education efforts here in the United States and around the globe during her term as the president of the International Academy for Eating Disorders. However, playing the guitar and singing folk and roots music has always been a part of her life, starting with performing with friends at family weddings, but eventually performing on stages with her late husband, John. When John passed away suddenly in 2012, music came to play a new role in Judy's life, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Welcome to the show, Judy. Oh, it's good to be talking with you, Nicole. I'm excited to to have our conversation. Oh, that's great. And now I knew you many years ago. And if you don't yes. remember, it was I in the early to mm-hmm. mid 90s <laughs> when I was a little Padawan. <laughs> and uh, you were my clinical supervisor at the Center for Eating Disorders in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yes. And, um, so that was a long time ago. A lot has happened since. Wait, could you just Tell us the story of your career and uh, what what you've been doing and then how things uh, intensified after John died. Sure. Um, I think the way that I do things, I tend to stumble through my life. Probably a lot of people do that. I didn't have a big game plan other than, you know, maybe going to get a degree. I knew I wanted to be a therapist, um, really wanted to be a philosopher, but I just didn't think I was going to be able to pay the bills that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I, um, you know, getting out of graduate school, I, my first job was working with a behavior modification program for eating issues. And 
getting into the field of eating disorders evolved from that. And, um, you know, very early on started the Center for Eating Disorders uh, as a nonprofit treatment center. And it has, that was in 1983 and somehow survived all that time. We've been, we've been, we now have, we have a medical director, physician on staff, dietitian, clinical director, and um, altogether there are eight of us that work there, uh, therapists and dietitian and doctor, physician and myself and our clinical director. And we partner with a local hospital and we offer day treatment also along oh. with outpatient. And oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we've, we've, we continue to evolve as a center and it's just been exciting because some of the people that work there, our medical director, Suzanne Hash, um, has also gotten very, very involved in the Academy for Eating Disorders, almost as I've kind of waned just a little bit. That's sort of part of the music thing that we'll talk about later. But um, Suzanne had just got back from a trip to Mumbai and Singapore and um, doing talks for the for the Academy for Eating Disorders to bring information about eating disorders to those countries. Uh, I think she was gone almost three weeks. Wow, that's fascinating. Yes, and our clinical director Amy Pershing um, has been a pioneer in the binge eating disorder mm-hmm. aspect of eating disorders. She's just written, written a book about binge eating disorder, and um, she does talks all over the place um, about that. So it's been it's been a good launching pad for a lot of people who've contributed to the field and that's really been gratifying. Um, and I think it all sort of culminated for me being in work, in working with the Academy for Eating Disorders because it's a global organization and that always was very fascinating to be able to talk to professionals of all stripes. It was a multidisciplinary organization or it is and the largest one in the world for the eat, for the field of eating disorders and being president was um, a great vantage point to have to be able to um, initiate some programs through the academy that are still going on now to help bridge research and practice and to help um, integrate treatment approaches to eating disorders. Then, you know, shortly after I was president of the Academy for Eating Disorders, around that time I actually lost my older sister, Barbara. She um, died suddenly with, you know, that I didn't realize that she, she was riding her horse and then she just died. I didn't oh. understand that instant or sort of sudden cardiac death without it being a heart attack, you know, it, there's no damage. It, that It's almost like adult SIDS or something. Oh um, my goodness. She just died and she, uh, so she was 56 when that happened um, and I was in my early 50s. And uh, that took the wind out of my sails a lot, um, but you know, kind of was beginning to rally from that. And um, then John and I, we've been married, or we've been together almost 30 years. We had a son, Ben, um, and John and I, well, I could just say, cut to the chase, John passed away suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was, you know, in a, like, in a, yeah, so I guess I would just say, that I won't go into all the details of that, but um, John and I were, I mean, he was he was the love of my life. If you can have that kind of, uh, if you believe in that kind of thing, but he was for me just 
Um, Your second half. Yes, exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. And fortunate I had been married previously um, to my high school sweetheart, and that didn't work out, shockingly. <laughs> But soon thereafter, again, John just stumbled into my life and I was like, this is too soon. You know, I was a therapist. I was like, you need to take time and you need to really... Use good judgment. Yes, use good judgment. This is a rebound relationship. What are you doing? But I moved in with him anyway. <laughs> right. Do what I say, not what I do. Right, exactly. And then off we went, and that was that. Um, but one of the one of the one of the the a big aspect of glue in our relationship, along with other things, was that John was a, an acoustic musician. He played the dobro and the guitar, and had a vast collection of folk music and traditional music, all blues, classical, everything that kind of stuff. And we would um, we really bonded over. Um, I say folk, but that's a very large category of kind of music, folk, folk rock, um, that kind of music. I mean, we would, we would uh, play. We uh, would jam with your we husband. We would jam exactly. It would be one of the, one of the aspects of our relationship was sitting around going, "Oh, you feel like playing some music? Sure, okay." And then you know the other person would grab their instrument. We, we would just mm. play or any. It sounds like such a a, a kind of intimacy to. To do that, you have to really be in tune. You do, or you have to, if you're not in tune, be able to rise above that <laughs> in order to accomplish, get the music done. Because, right, it, but it, but I, you are right about that. That uh, it was, it it just felt it, we both loved it. It was fun. Then it evolved. You know, we began playing it for family weddings and things like that, and, it, and we played in, you know different concerts and then joined a friend of ours in a trio we played with him for uh, about I think it was about and my timing gets off but maybe three or four years before then John passed away and um, I it was just I mean among uh, other things it was just a, a time of what what I, what do I do? I, 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 you know, I'm a strong person. I'm a resilient person. Uh, I knew I would continue with my therapy work, the Center for Eating Disorders. You know, I would just, you know, figure that out and continue with that. But I, you know, I just, the rest of my life, I just didn't know what I was going to do. I, a, th a thread for me was, you know, we were playing with Jay Stilstra, our friend, and Jay is 85, <laughs> and I wasn't feeling like I wanted to bail on Jay, you know. So Jay and I kind of started inviting other musicians to play with us, and it it would be the kind of thing where we'd play or we'd rehearse, and I I would cry all the way home, you know. It was like oh god, the grief was horrible, and be, and because we were playing music, which was which was such a bonding thing, and it's also an escape but it tore my heart up um but i didn't want to give it up and so got through that period with jay and over maybe actually it wasn't very long you know i i again i my time frame is off but i think about six months in playing music with jay and going along and also realizing that i couldn't keep i couldn't keep singing the same tune to my friends and family there was a sense that 
oh Lord, I'm going to be grieving a long time and I'm, there's no fix. Mm. Uh, but it needed to be expressed for me. I have to talk constantly. <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to start writing some songs. I thought, I'll try songwriting and maybe there's a way that I can capture what this feels like and and put it to music. And I wrote some songs and I recorded a CD and dedicated it to John and had a CD release that was <laughs> incredible. It was like a, a sad, joyous wake at a local wonderful club called Johnny's Speakeasy here in Ann Arbor. All my friends came and people who didn't know what the deal was came and sang these songs that were really me sitting on the couch in my pajamas crying. Oh my <laughs> so like it was just your guts hanging out. You got it. Exactly. Exactly. Like the kind of thing where I'm doing this going, I have no idea. I would the studio where I recorded was at a friend's studio, Dave Roof, Rooftop's recording studio out in, it was about a 45 minute drive from Ann Arbor. And it was during a winter, I drove back and forth to his studio through blizzards and blowing winds. And I just didn't care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I need to do this. I have no other outlet for, for me, the vastness of what I was feeling. So um, that the CD release happened, it was wonderful. And then I hadn't thought past it. And so what ended up happening is, is as stumbling into things, it evolved. And I'm now working on my third CD. I've got a band that I play with of just wonderful people, uh, great musicians. And, um, you know, I've kept writing songs and, you know, they, it isn't as much as me hanging, you know, maybe it is a little bit, I don't know. I'm probably still hanging my guts off, but I just don't feel as, I'm getting used to it, maybe, is what it is. Uh, so um, that, yep, so it, I, I play now, um, I play in duos and I have a band and I still play with Jay and kind of the beautiful part is that with this third CD that I'm working on uh, called Buffalo Motel. It's actually a remembrance of a great trip out west with John and my son, Ben. And um, I mean, the, the title for me is evocative and not for anybody else. <laughs> uh, but Ben, our, our son, is producing the CD. He's helping. He's got tons of creative input, and that's just been really wonderful because I mean Ben's been there from the beginning listening to us play in the living room and listening mm -hmm. to me play and watching me cry and write songs on my pajamas and go I turn to him and because he's a very much of a music aficionado he's got a deep knowledge of all different kinds of music and I would look at him and go is this a song is this anything mm -hmm. <laughs> so he'd be my reality check and um to my surprise I have to say to my surprise I mean I asked him to do it not knowing how this all was going to work out. Uh, and he's just had ideas all along about different things they ought to be doing with the music. <laughs> and he's putting them into play, and they are it's very exciting. It's oh very exciting. Goodness, there's something so beautiful about that. I, it, 
I, I, it's, I can't even, I mean, I'm afraid even to say it out loud a little bit because I never, again, I never picked, none of this was anything I ever pictured. Mm-hmm. I never thought, I'm going to write songs one day. I don't want to have a band with mm-hmm. I'm None of that. I'm going to mm-hmm. be, it was just sort of taking all I could do. I think I was mentioning this too before we started talking a little bit is that through all of this, um, all I just couldn't figure out what to do except get up, you know, brush my teeth, mm-hmm. and then what what do I need to do today to mm-hmm. to just get through the day and and that's yeah. And so that path has kind of led to where this is right now. Mm-hmm. And you said that you would play something for us. Is that is this a good time to do that? Oh. Sure. I Let's, yep. Tell um, us a little bit about what you're going to play. Um, you know the the like I said the title of the the CD is Buffalo Motel and uh, uh, as on I think I've, I'll, even my previous two CDs all the songs have to do with relationships and for I just go in for whatever I reason end up finding myself looking for kind of that place of tension in there in a relationship and this song is called moving on um and it's about the end of a relationship recognizing that something's coming to an end and what are you going to do about it so check in my phone See if you call, counting the hours, climbing the walls, asking our friends if you said my name. An open book, they give me that look, watch some TV, are you missing me? I'll never know. Or no TV shows. Looks like you're moving on. Looks like you're moving on. Study your words, hints you gave. Gestures that slip by, love that we made Tracing the lines, losing my mind Looks like you're moving on Looks like you're moving on It's the turnpike, straight to Pittsburgh, wrote some steel in my spine. Float the rivers to New Orleans, blind that evil eye. Go the sun road through Montana, cross Mariah's Pass. And in those silvery mountains, dig for 
something that will last. Can't make you want me, can't make you feel, can't make you turn around, can't grab the wheel. Looks like you're moving on. Looks like you're moving on Hitch the turnpike Straight to Pittsburgh Broke some steel in my spine Plowed the rivers to New Orleans Blind that evil eye Go the sun road through Montana, cross the rice paths, and in those silvery mountains, dig for something that will last. Can't make you want me. Can't make you feel. Can't make you turn around, can't grab the wheel Looks like you're moving on Looks like you're moving on Looks like you're moving on My goodness thank you so much <laughs> that welcome. is so lovely you know i had this thought because you know of course we're therapists so we have to be thinking of these kinds of patterns and stuff but it, it occurred to me that you're also moving on yes exactly you know um yes it, I mean, you're no longer playing because that's all you can do to survive. You're, you know, you're in this new phase of your music and your artistic expression. And I never, you're right about that. For some reason, yeah, I, um, it has evolved into something that, uh, yes, feels it's simply not a coping mechanism anymore. Mm. I mean, maybe it's still in part that way, but I've also realized that I've tapped into something that maybe I, I just didn't know was there and um, that it sustains me to be able to do this um, in a couple weeks. And these are the things like I feel so excited about. There's uh, one of the songwriters, musicians that, uh, John and I kind of bonded over in our early relationship was a woman named Rosalie Sorrells. Uh, she's a folk singer, sort of a little pre Nancy Griffith, but Kate Wolf. It's kind of, she's not, she wasn't a radio person. She wasn't somebody that played on the radio, but, um, you know, she's a highly regarded person, uh, but she passed away a couple years ago. Um, through one thing or another and the miracle of Facebook and things like that, 
I there's going to be the first annual Rosalie Sorrell's Music Festival in Boise in two weeks, and I get to be the closing act on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that to think about being there's there's like circles within circles to be able to play the songs that John and I played together, mm-hmm. and then along with some of my own songs. And a rose, you know, with her family, and her son is going to be playing with me. Oh, uh, goodness. I am. Like, it must blow your mind. It, it is blows, mind blowing. It is mind blowing. I don't under like, what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, when we talked earlier about, you know, you and I have been kind of raised with uh, similar authors, um, uh, people doing work with um, women and psychology and trauma and eating disorders. It's this exact same thought I had when, you know, Mary Pfeiffer said she would interview with me. It's like, this does not make sense in my life. I can't. The cognitive dissonance is too great. But what a, a what an absolute joy that must be! It yeah yeah I I, I am right I just I feel like a child I'm, I'm that excited. <laughs> and your son will be there? He won't be there, but I'm I her, her I meant her um, Rosalie Sorrell's son is son a musician. Will be there as well. Yeah, so he'll be playing with me. But no, my son won't be there. I oh. I tried to get him to come, but yeah. he has a life. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And do you, of course, you you've picked out already the song, and your how do you how do you prep for a music festival? Well, you know they give they give you a certain amount of time, so I have about an hour to play, wow. uh, and uh, so I came up with a, a a list of songs that I know that that are my favorite Rosalie's songs that she sang, and so I'll we'll perform those, and then I have a list of my songs that I'll play that I feel like fit the feeling of the of the set. So probably about 10 songs altogether, something like that. Oh yeah. my goodness. I mean, it's, it is so interesting. I mean, like some people call that grace, right? Some people might call that grace <laughs> or I, I, I don't have any theories about it. I, it, it's just that I stutter and go, what? <laughs> oh. uh, but yeah, it, I, if I did believe in grace, it would feel like somebody's helping me somewhere. That's what it would feel like, and you know, I, and I, and in my moments when I allow myself to be spiritual, uh, I sometimes wonder if John's up there helping me I, out. I yeah. was wondering, like, if there's this sense, or do you anticipate feeling him as you're playing these oh, songs? Oh, <laughs> very much so. Oh Very much goodness. so. I mean, I, I got together with, not together, but I fell in love with him at a Rosalie Sorrell's concert. Oh my gosh, Judy, <laughs> this is crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Oh. Yep. Yep. Oh my gosh. It just doesn't seem, I mean, I don't know, but that just seems too weird to be coincidence. It seems like it to me. I keep, you know, I'm one of these people that I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be a fool and be thinking, you know, you know, just believe in something to make myself feel good. But it, but this, it's all, it's all too, it's too weird. It's too, it's too perfectly weird. Yes. It's, (laughs) yes, that's what it is. 
that's what it is. And it just feels like I haven't gone and traveled to play music anywhere. I mean, not by myself. I'm going to get in a plane, take my guitar. I don't even know how to fly with a guitar. I'm taking it and I've got, I'm going to buy a new case and take my guitar and off I go and I'm going to do this thing. And I feel perfectly fine doing it. I can't wait. Just want to run there. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, it is, and I would imagine being there, not only doing your performance, but being in that space with these people. I mean, it's, yeah. it's going to change your life. It. I feel like it already has um, yeah, Rosalie's yeah. son and his wife, and he's got he's two other sisters out there, and the people you know involved and in organized in the con. We're friends now, you know, because of electronic media. We in constant contact, and but because it's the first festival, there's lots of glitches and false starts and things like that. So just sort of being involved and helping them with, I don't know, even moral support. Um, to make that all come together. So, you know, I, yep, it, it feels like on, on so many different levels. I just, for myself, I keep thinking of it as a pilgrimage. Aha. Uh -huh. The beauty and the pain of yeah. life. There it is. It's right there encapsulated. Yep. Yep. And being able to just, you know, that, that, because, you know, probably, you know, you talk about being a, the, with the background as a therapist and that kind of thing, but also the kind of person I am, I am is that I dig into all feelings. And so I don't shy away from them. And I don't, I've wondered if that sort of just helped me just remain open to these possibilities a little bit rather than go, oh, I couldn't do that. You know, that would just be, um, I'm just like, at this point, why not? Mm-hmm. So, yep. yeah, well, I think when you face tragedy and grief at a level where, you know, I sometimes say to clients, you may be in the fetal position, you know, for yes. a day, and that's sort of what this looks like. Um, nothing scares you as much. It doesn't, because, you, you know, it feels like uh, you confront your own mortality, you confront those existential questions of where do they go? Where these people in your life that were everything and now where are they? And if you have a religious framework, that answers some of those questions for you. And I don't have one. Uh, you know, I, I, everything for me has been based on what feels true. And there are times where I absolutely, you know, believe in an afterlife and then other times not at all <laughs> mm. goes back and forth. So, um, yeah, the, the, the pain is there's, there's fear and, and not knowing and just almost like I, it seems to me that our minds cannot grasp what this all means. Mm. And it's like, you're knocking your head against a wall. Has it helped you um, as a therapist? Are you a different kind of therapist now? Uh, I am positive I'm different. I, it's a good question. I know I'm a different person. Mm -hmm. I, um, I'm much, probably on a certain level, there's a little bit of a feeling of the clock is ticking. Mm -hmm. And um, let's go. Let's get this done. Um, okay. 
you know, in my in therapy work and in my own life is being very aware of the passage of time and, and that that sense in relationships, I have to bite my tongue not to say to, to my clients, that person that you're struggling with right now that you're blowing off and that you love, but you're not, you're just not, not going to deal with them. They could die. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I have to, that's my own issue. And I have to you know, make sure I give them the space. But there is that sense of, there is that sense that life, wow, it does go by very quickly. And I would think as, you know, someone also who does eating disorders work is you're counting carbs, you're, you know, on the scale 12 times a day. Yes. That's yes. your life. That's what you're, that's what you're dedicated. That's what you're worshiping. And your talents are just waiting for you. That's, that is you know, those illnesses are, are the just the devil, you know, and that and that they reduce people who have so much potential mm -hmm. um, to timekeepers and calorie counters. Mm -hmm. And yes, that that is very difficult, more so than ever, right? I'd have to say, watching that and thinking, oh, you know, we got to get you out of this. Mm -hmm. This isn't a yeah, way to live your life. Time. We're yeah. losing time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, it has been an absolute joy for me to speak with you today, Judy, and I'm I'm so happy for you that you're going to be playing at this festival. I want to ask you where our listeners can hear more about your music, um, any any place you'd like them to go in particular to find out more about what you do. I have a website. Uh, for my music it's just judybanker.com okay that's easy and they can buy cds through your um through your website yep through my website and find out just where i'm playing and um other news that's going on and information about the new cd when it's going to be coming out and that and sort of the, thing i'm also on facebook too people can find me there Okay, and Rosalie Sorrells, could you spell Sorrell so people can find out about the festival? Sure, um, uh, S-O-R-R-E-L-S. Okay, Rosalie. And that's on the 22nd and 23rd of June. Okay, coming up. Yes. Coming up. Yes. I'll be playing tennis and you'll be singing. Yes, I we love will. it. Living I our best it. lives, exactly. That's right, that's right. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us today. It was just such, and thank you so much for playing. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you for having me. It's really good to reconnect with you, Nicole. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. Next week... We'll be speaking with Gary Glazner, who's the founder of the Alzheimer's Poetry Project. And let me give you a little inside look. There is a harmonica and singing involved. And please consider becoming a patron of the show. You will get access to exclusive bonuses and you will be part of the Zestful Aging community. Keep us going strong. Go to patreon.com slash zestfulaging. 
See you next time for another episode of Zestful Aging.